I just watched the new film Unplanned, based on the story of Abby Johnson, who worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years. She was actually the clinic's director when she had a conversion and walked out, never to return. I'm sure that many of you have heard Abby Johnson's story. I remember when it happened some 10 years ago. And I'm not going to say much about the film, except that, in my opinion, not only is this the best pro-life film made to this day, but it is a film that everyone must go see. In the United States, it has been rated R, which is ironic given the fact that teenagers who can have abortions without their parents' consent will not be able to go and watch the film without their consent or accompaniment. Nevertheless, go watch it. Parents, take your kids and watch it. Teachers, encourage your students to go watch it. Preachers, tell your congregations to go watch it. No matter where you land in the pro-life abortion spectrum, whether you're undecided or believe in choice, go watch this movie. Not only is it a wonderful contribution to the message of life and to the story of the 40 Days of for Life campaign, but also to the power of prayer and a witness to the reality that God has a plan for all of us, whether we plan or not, God's actions for each one of us are very much planned. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Billy. I'm Emily Callum. <laughs> you I just, forgot, just to Billy. Last forgot to say your last name. Billy Chan. Billy Chan. <laughs> yeah. If people don't know that Billy is Billy Chan by now, yeah, right? I don't know what they it's know. It's un- unplanned. I don't know. Okay, unplanned. guys, 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 unplanned. <laughs> unplanned. <laughs> unplanned. You guys need to watch that now. It's I not. Do. I don't. I'm finding out. Yep. I don't think it's opening in Canada next weekend, but oh, it's no? opening in the United States. So most of our listeners in the United States, go watch this movie. Go yeah. watch it. Go mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah. Tell everybody to go watch it. It's a one. Not because it's a pro-life film. It's a great film. Go watch it. It's a wonderful story. Um, hmm. This is a special show today, guys. Again? Because there's no Tell me. Tell us why. Every show, every <laughs> show is special. <laughs> no, this is our 400th oh, show. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, oh, hey. Number 400. Happy 400. Happy yeah. 400th anniversary. Yeah. We've been doing this show for 10 years. 400. Wow. 10 years. There you go. I can see your white you hair. You can see that I've been sitting in this <laughs> chair for yeah. 10 years. <laughs> anyway, thank you for all of you who've been supporting and listening to this program. Thank you. Uh, for 10 years. 400. Wow. Anyway, um, send us messages of congratulations. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yes. Course. Radio, radio at saltandlight.org. Mostly to Pedro because... Yeah, because yeah, I, I Emily have been wasn't here. born I, and Billy <laughs> I was not in, born. in Montreal. Yeah. I don't yeah. know where you guys were. So yeah, uh, 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 social media at Salt and Light TV um, at Deacon Pedro GM. Yeah, that's it. Don't don't email these guys. Don't write to Be them. Be Joe Chan. We don't we don't deserve <laughs> the congratulations for four hundred. Yeah. Episodes. Anyway, um, so we have some news. We with do Emily a, little today. Bit, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit of some news. news. Something newsy. Yeah. Well, a, a couple cardinals. You know, lately. <laughs> some cardinal stuff. <laughs> did some stuff and oh, we're yeah, accused Australia. of some stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. So I'm going to talk about that. What the situation is there, okay. and um, and a little update on the um, post and little exhortation. Oh, very good. Just a little little update. Oh, just a little update. And you are the post-synodal expert. I'd You're like the pre-synodal well extra expert. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. So that's coming up uh, yeah. very soon. And then after that, we... I know. <sighs> sorry, Billy. Yeah, you I You don't know. need to so sorry there because <laughs> it's a happy 400. You don't need to sorry. So to celebrate yeah. our 400 <laughs> show, we do not have a Church for Dummies yeah. segment, Billy. Sorry, it's Lent. Uh, it's something that you gave up. <laughs> today 
right? <laughs> no, you steal all the ends who gave it up. I mean, okay, but the good thing is that when you give something up, you're making room for something else, and the yeah, reason right, right. why is because mm-hmm. we have an extra long what's good in Hollywood segment today with wow. our Hollywood undercover Mark Matthews who's going to tell us uh, some good things and maybe not so good things what is about it? uh what is you need it? to stick Come on, what you is need it? to you need to what listen to it okay so some good things and maybe not so good things about Hollywood that's going to be right after Emily Callan and okay so um I know you've watched Jesus movies do you remember the Jesus uh, or the Bible miniseries from a couple years yes. ago? Did you watch it? Some of it. Yeah. Did you yeah, watch it, yeah, Billy? Yeah, yeah, I know Billy yeah. likes. So, do you know that there's a new miniseries about really? Jesus? Oh. Yeah. Again. Again. Exactly. That was my <laughs> my my thought as well. It's like really. So there's actually a new and same the History Network. Okay. It's called Jesus His Life, and what is different? <laughs> what is like yeah. the yeah, same life different? of Jesus? Oh, yeah. No, there there is something different. So this is the story of Jesus through the eyes of those who knew him. So oh. I don't know, I actually don't know specifically, but we're going to find out today because our guest was part, uh, one of the contributors and advisors for, for writing the series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I pr- presume that it's probably one episode per character, so something through the eyes of maybe even Judas, one of the through apostles, the eyes of Peter, right. through the eyes of yeah. Mary, or through the eyes of Mary Possibly. Magdalene. So that that could be interesting because that's you know the that Ignatian. Have you ever uh, guys ever you, done right. that reflection or where when you, you place do yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Or when you lex- yeah, you mm-hmm. place yourself in the scene. Yes. Yeah. So it, so it changes based yep. on your perception. So I think that could be interesting. Anyway, so we're gonna learn all about that. Um, with us in the second half hour is going to be Dr. Stephen Schneck. He was one, as I said, one of the main consultants and advisors for the series. And he's going to be joining us in about 25 minutes. And then at the end of the show, we're going to be uh, meeting a liturgical composer by the name of Timoth- <laughs> Timothy Tim Timothy Smith. He's been writing music for liturgy for many, many years. Some of our listeners maybe are familiar with his Mass of the Sacred Heart. So you would know him. Um, Tim Smith has a new collection. It's called I Am With You Always, published by Oregon Catholic Press. And Tim's going to join us at the end of the program to tell us about his work and about this new collection. Um, I always say that the, the, the real radio station for Catholic music is the Mass. Really? Because that's really <laughs> where we listen to ma- music yeah. that is written by Catholics for Catholics. So liturgical music. So Tim Smith is going to join us. And why don't we start with a song then? Uh, from his new collection. Here's Timothy Smith with Mercy from his new album, I Am With You Always.
That was Timothy Smith with Mercy from his new album, I Am With You Always. And we're going to be speaking with Timothy Smith in about 30 minutes. But first, Emily is still here yes. with our news. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to start with uh, most recent, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Most recent, but not not necessarily the best news. I will keep the best for last okay, or the most good. happy news Thank for you. last. Yes. Um, so uh, most recent involves a uh, cardinal in uh, Lyon, France. So mm-hmm. some of you might have heard of Cardinal Philippe Barbarin, yes, uh, which Barbarin. is the... Uh, Archbishop of Lyon you and pronounced in that in well, French so well. That's his <laughs> well, no, I actually to the French, I probably massacred him. Yeah, anyway, actually. Barbarin, I think Barbarin. most people call him Barbarin. Right. Yes. Um, so he's been on trial for quite some time, or he yes. was on trial for for quite some time for because covering up for covering up yes. cases of abuse in his diocese that mm-hmm. happened between the 1970s and 80s. Yes. Um, and so, but he was convicted. So he was he was actually sentenced to six months in prison. Right. Um, with the possibility of an so with the possibility of yes. an an appeal, which I think they're looking forward to maybe doing that in June. We don't know yet. We don't oh, have any details as, well. as to okay. when that is going to happen. But so um, he, after the sentence was given, um, he uh, he said to the press that he would um, present his resignation to Pope Francis in person in Rome, which is what he did this past week. So he met Pope Francis and the Pope actually refused uh, his resignation. He said, no, I'm not going to allow you to resign, but I will allow you to make the decision that is what you think best for the life of the diocese. So, um, So the Cardinal is instead not resigning, but taking a time of retreat. I don't know how long that will be. Um, but he will not be... This is very interesting. Right, And, and isn't I know it? that, because we, yeah. we, we you're going to talk about Cardinal Pell exactly. in Australia very soon, but we were yeah. wondering about that. If, if someone, a bishop or, or, in this case, a cardinal, is convicted yep. by the law, so yeah. the justice system mm-hmm. has found him guilty, would the church not also find him, you know, agree with that ruling and find him guilty? And right. why would the Pope not accept his resignation? Very interesting. From what I understand is that there's there's a the can, the canonical process, right? That that yeah. usually um, someone like in this case someone like Cardinal Barbarin would would undergo right a process yes. um, a, like a, a trial with no. And I understand that so something could be illegal in the in the secular justice system and not wrong according to canon law, but in this case, yeah, no, I, but I, don't the, know. I, know, I don't know exactly, the yeah. exactly. Anyway. And I Good, just don't think that he 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 underwent an, a formal a formal yes, trial yet. Yes. Um. You know, but it would be it would be really awkward. I think the position would be in a, the church would be in a very awkward position would, if they yeah, if like they what, didn't he's find still him gonna guilty. Be the Archbishop of so Lyon we don't know. or the car, uh, Cardinal if he's in jail for six months. Anyway. Um, yeah. But that's a little different from the situation with Cardinal with Pell, Cardinal in, Pell Australia. in Australia. Exactly. So he was convicted to um, I believe it was uh, seven months. No, sorry, it's not seven. Three years and eight yes. months. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. This is Cardinal Pell. Yes. <laughs> Three years uh, and eight months, um, former Archbishop of Melbourne, Australia, and also um, Prefect of the Secretariat for the Economy of the Vatican. So really one of the highest ranking prelates in the church to be convicted, not of covering up sexual abuse, but actually committing sexual abuse. Um, He still uh, defends his innocence, Mm -hmm. even even after the sentence was given to him. He was still defending his innocence. Um, And uh, yeah, so that so He's he is sentenced to uh, to jail. He's seventy seven years old. But he's also appealing, right? And the appeal and he is also June. appealing, yes. which is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's also so. a weird one because 
again, the justice system. Do yeah. we trust the justice system? Right. He says he's innocent, right. but some right. people say it's a sham, right. that it's an attack. Yeah. Well, and in this case, yeah. the, the Pope accepted his resignation. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's no longer, obviously, Archbishop of Melbourne. He's, he's not longer he's, responsible he's, for the He's Vatican not Bank. no longer yeah. exactly yeah, responsible. Exactly. Um, he, none of these cardinals have been defrocked, no. um, as we know, in term, when like it comes McCarrick, to the cardinals, like yes. McCarrick, which he's the only one who has been. Yes. So. Interesting. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. Yes. But you have good news. Okay, so good news. The post-synodal exhortation uh, for yes. the Synod on Young People, which happened in October. Okay. Um, it's this not is, out yet. It's not out yet, I know. But it also took some time before the Pope yes. released a post-synodal exhortation for the Synod on the Family. Yes. Uh, so this one will be released March 25th, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to be in the form of a letter to young people. Yeah, well, it makes sense, an exhortation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know, but, no, yeah, but I know. typically it's a little bit more formal, more of a document. More like of a a document book. Yeah, a book. So this is going to be just so a very long letter. So he's not going to make a video because there was talk that it was going to be like well, a Maybe he'll like make a video. a video too. I don't know. We'll see. A music video. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah music okay, video. Okay, so next week, yeah. March 25th, yes. post-synodal Exhortation. exhortation and you were in the synod and yes. you were in the pre-synod so you're yes. the expert so we're going to maybe help you we'll talk about it have you we'll help have us dissect okay. that and you All can right. tell us whether that's really what happened at the synod okay. or not great okay so that's uh next week something to look forward to yep. and i'm sure that we'll put that links to all that on our site saltandlighttv.org thank you emily you're welcome pedro emily callan our salt and light news producer you can follow her at emmy callan Hey guys, this is TJ Anderson, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview or segment, again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our programs are archived there. And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood Undercover Missionary... Mark Matthews. Mark. Hello, Pedro. Welcome back. I haven't Thanks. spoken to you since Christmas, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm on this, this great new diet. It's called the potato chip and pork rind diet. <laughs> no, you're not. Is that a thing? No, it's not. I'm making that up. But, you know, it's not that much further from a lot of things that we're seeing on the Internet yeah. lately. Things oh, that yes. I would put under the category of Internet extremism. Yes. Yes. So you've probably heard of some of these things. I guess. Yes. I w- you know, I would put things like the, I mean, all sorts of racist, you know, posts and videos, political conspiracy theories. Yeah. The, even things, too, of like anti The anti-vaxxers, yeah. Yeah, that's one. Uh, a lot of pseudoscience things I would put under this category. Homeopathy, certainly. Uh, fad diets, alternative medicine. And uh, and even the rise of the flat earthers. You know, yes. So, I, yeah, I've heard of that. Actually, I've heard that on mainstream uh, yeah. r- programs highlighting the fact that it's this thing on the Internet, these flat earthers. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's nuts. And in a sense, I don't fault the flat earthers so much just because they're taking such an outrageous position. It's almost more of an exercise in like debate. Yeah. But but these other ones, they just like they very firmly believe. I don't think the flat earthers actually believe it's a flat earth, 
but I think I think all the other ca- categories all genuinely believe their theory. So. Yes, the pork, pork potato chip and pork rinds. That's the one I like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start it pretty soon. So, so this is this is something that has kind of fascinated me. So, working in tech, you know, a lot of people ask me about this. Like, why are all yeah. these things so popular on the internet? Um, but it's something I've seen a lot of in Hollywood. Yes. So in Hollywood, as I'm sure you know. You know, you always hear, that, like Madonna, she was into the Jewish mysticism Kabbalah. Uh, Mel Gibson was a Catholic, sort of. Uh, he was part of uh, a breakaway Catholic sect. Yeah. Uh, and, and and not even the regular breakaway sect. He was part of the breakaway of the breakaway group. Yeah. Um, Oprah has the secret. Protestants are even kind of into this name it and claim it thing. Basically, if you just pray in a certain way, God will give you whatever yes. you ask for. Yes, yes. And what I think is behind this all is a very ancient heresy of Gnosticism. Uh-huh. Yes. So, you can explain that for people familiar, that don't know what it is, yeah. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with that term, it's basically a group of ancient heresies that stress escape from this world through the acquisition of esoteric knowledge. Uh-huh. So some kind of, like, special knowledge or formula and not even so much that's going to help you, but it's going to give you salvation. Mm. And, and that's, that's kind of the key here, is that I think we're looking for a shortcut to salvation. Uh, the known ways, the wisdom of the Church and the saints, oh, well, that couldn't possibly be true. <laughs> There's got to be some other sort of secret magic trick so that we don't actually have to suffer. Right. Um, but this isn't what Christ says. Christ says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the road that leads to destruction, and all those who enter through it are many. So he's saying, the real world is painful. You know, mm-hmm. tr- the truth behind things can be can be complicated. And I think it's, you know, we we know the narrow way already. It's well publicized, but but kind of nobody wants to accept it. And I, I think our pride is also something that it kind of draws us into a lot of these fringe theories as well, too. We're just like, oh, no, I, I know better than the church. In the yeah, yeah. So, uh, the other thing, other connection that I think is interesting is uh, is that there, there a lot of these theories are like anti-reason. Um, and it's important to remember that the church, uh, we played a central, if not an exclusive, role in the establishment of the university. Uh, we yes. essentially invented scholarship. Yes. Um, you know, we're into faith and reason. Um, but I think sometimes Christians, they get caught up in uh, having faith in theories that have nothing to do with Christianity. Hmm. Um, and so if, if it doesn't have anything to do with our faith in Christ, why are we putting faith in it? We should be exercising our reason. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, so it's important that, you know, we do the research, you know, we you know push our pride down, and also, we also know that sin darkens the intellect, and so we want to make sure we are virtuous people. Sin, the virtue, helps us to understand the truth even better. Hmm. Yeah. So, and then the last, uh, the last people thing, kind of interesting connection here is, uh, is social media. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's kind of like, well, why are some of these ideas becoming, you know, so popular? And uh, you might have heard it said that social media promotes what's popular, not what's true. And, yes. and, and that is absolutely the case. Yeah. Um, the, you, you know, it's very easy algorithmically to determine what's popular, but almost impossible to determine what's true. Right. 
And so the interesting kind of connection here for, for our viewers, I think, is that, you know, you know, we've heard with, I'll say, TV and movies, you know, there's kind of like some responsibility and onus upon us for choosing what we watch. But with all of these social media, what, what we watch actually counts a lot because that's what encourages these algorithms to promote them to other people. Right. So it's kind of like you sort of have to ask yourself, if I wouldn't want other people watching or viewing these things, then I shouldn't be doing the same. So. Right. So that's a good that's good advice right there. So if people want to promote, because the algorithm is going to promote what's popular. So if we want to promote what's true, that's what we need to watch. And the more we watch that, exactly. that's what's going to come up as more popular. Correct. So I know it's tempting to kind of get sucked into these, you know, disaster documentaries and train wreck reality TV shows. Yeah. But, you know, maybe maybe it's, it's not so good for us to be watching a lot of those. and It's probably not so good for a lot of other people be watching those either. Right. Why do you think that people are drawn to that kind of sort of drama? Uh, I think so. I think, I think, you know, as an actor, I've kind of learned that, that it's like, it's very much within us, in our nature to be drawn to want to watch drama. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, there's edifying drama and then there's just kind of like mindless drama. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we want to be watching the kind of edifying drama that actually lifts you know, lifts our minds and teaches us something true, not something that's just, you know, like bubblegum for the mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what you said earlier is people are, people want the easy, easy way out or the easy route, and it's never that easy. So don't get yeah. your truth from all these easy people that anybody that promises to you that it's going to be easy, they're probably lying. Go, yeah. <laughs> you know, go the narrow gate. Wow. And, 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 and the saints affirm this. I think there's no bypassing suffering in our faith. No. It's going to be with us. It's a central part. You know, embrace it. Embrace it. So there you go. No more put it, potato chips and pork rinds. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I read it on the internet. It must be it true. It must be true. There you go. Mark Matthews with what's good in Hollywood. You should start that and see, you know, start promoting the potato chip and pork <laughs> rinds yeah. and I, see if it catches I, on. I'm worried it would actually catch on. It could be like a good Lenten thing, you know? Oh, no, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, enough of that yeah. conversation. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for your insights, Mr. Mark Matthews. Uh, uh, with what's thank you too, Pedro, as always. There you go. <laughs> Mark Matthews with what's good and extreme in Hollywood. <laughs> um, Mark is our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at HU Missionary. Coming up in our second half hour, Jesus, His Life, and we meet liturgical composer Timothy Smith. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. There are so many films, series, and documentaries about the life of Jesus. But Jesus, His Life, premiering on History on March 25th, is different. Each episode is told through the eyes of the men and women who knew Him and were closest to Him. Joseph, John the Baptist, Mary, Caiaphas, Mary Magdalene, Peter, Pontius Pilate, and Judas Iscariot. Now, each character guides viewers through the story 
through a combination of dramatic scenes and also documentary-style interviews with a diverse group of contributing scholars, faith leaders, and theologians, including Father Jonathan Morris. Dr. Stephen Schneck is the former director of the Institute for Policy Research and Catholic Studies at the Catholic University of America. He is not featured in the series, but was one of its main consultants and advisors. So to tell us more, I am now joined by Dr. Stephen Schneck. Dr. Stephen, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you. It's delightful to be here. Um, it, it seems to me that putting putting a series like this together it seems like a monumental effort, uh, just even imagining imagining these perspectives. So can you tell us a little bit about how the team went about in putting the whole series together? Well, you're right. It was a monumental effort, and we've been working on it for um, you know quite a while. The initial uh, insight was to look at Jesus through the lives of people who uh, knew him in the flesh, um, right. as you've already mentioned, that included people like like his father Joseph and, and Mary, but also people like Pontius Pilate, Caiaphas, and Judas. Yes, and so that was that was uh, you know our efforts to kind of give this uh, you know a, a different edge, a different way of thinking about it, and and to really look at the life of Jesus in a more um, you know directly historical fashion. I guess even the the approach of having a combination, so it's not just a, dr- a dramatic series, but there's a combination of documentary style interviews. Even that idea, I guess, would have been part of a process. How did, um, I guess, why was the decision made to, to go that route rather than just writing something that was completely, to a certain extent, Im- imaginative? Yeah, the thinking was that we really wanted to, to gather the, the best scholars and, and, and faith leaders you know that we could, who had real expertise, not not just in the theology and not just literally in the you know the, the biblical account, but understood it also in terms of uh, history and anthropology and technology. And so we right. really gathered you know a collection of ex- experts who were you know who had this, and, and they gave us an angle that I thought that I find actually inspiring. Yeah, so not uh, not all the experts are Christian obviously. So who are some give what are some examples of some of the uh, uh experts that are featured in the in the piece? Well, um everyone from uh you've already mentioned uh, one of the Catholic uh, contributors. Yes. Another of the Catholic contributors is Father Jim Martin, oh, a right. Jesuit uh, from New York, I think pretty well known for his his own writings on Jesus. Yes, uh, we have the uh, you know the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, uh, Michael Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel Osteen, uh, televangelist right. in the United States, is one of the is the uh, executive producer of the series. But we also include, as you say, non Christians as well, including Rabbi uh, Joshua Caraway from Hebrew Union College. Right, so it's, it's a huge collection of scholars. Would some of the scholars be? Uh atheist or that would, you know, be doubting, not doubting, I guess, or challenging certain notions that we Christians maybe have? There's nothing critical. There's no, no. critique that's in this period, okay. in this series. On the other hand, you know, we do make a real effort to be completely historically uh, accurate. And so right. many of the sources that we're looking at include sources outside the the, the biblical tradition, right. um, you know, writings from ancient Rome, for example. Right. Now, how is it structured? Is it maybe like an episode or segment per character as that character, like from that character's point of view? Correct. So uh, the order of episodes, we'll do two each week starting Monday, right. uh, the 25th, March 25th at 8 o'clock on History Channel. Yes. We'll do two each week starting with Joseph and John the Baptist the first week, 
then um, Mary and Caiaphas, the next week Judas and Pilate, and concluding with Mary Magdalene and Peter uh, during Holy Week. So I I, I would imagine <laughs> that the perspectives of these characters are are mostly Im- imagined. I mean, based on the research that or the you know the scholarly work that was done. I mean, how Mary Magdalene would have seen Jesus is 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 an is an exercise of imagination. Yeah, to a certain extent, that's true. On the other hand, we um, did everything that we could to be as close to the, the literal words of the of the Bible, uh, you know, that we have, and so we right. closely at the Gospels and closely at the Gospels' accounts um, of, you know, of all of these individuals. And, and you know, in looking at you know, you know the story of Jesus Christ from this perspective, uh, you know, I think that uh, your your listeners are going to find um, a, a really inspirational story. Yeah, I, I agree. We were speaking just before you came on with uh, my two co-hosts and, and, and kind of comparing, having not, not having seen it yet, but kind of imagining it the, like, almost like a Lectio Divina exercise or, a, or the yeah, Ignatian, you know, placing yourself in the scene kind of exercise. Um, exactly, exactly. And, and I think that's what makes it so fresh. I mean, this is really quite different from, you know, the, as you know, there are probably a hundred movies about the life of Jesus, yes. but this is really very different in, in many respects. Do you think that it, it, uh, it is not just uh, a scholarly approach in that, uh, uh, maybe objective is a better word, but rather that in viewing it, those of us that would like to enter deeper into that mystery as Christians are, are able to do so because of this approach? Well, let me let me say uh, make a personal comment here. I found my own faith deepened as a result of my hmm. participation in this project, and so, you know, I think I th- I really do think that for for Christians, this is going to be a moving, compelling, and as I've said before, an, an inspiring encounter with the life of Jesus. Yeah, that sort of makes sense to me. If you if we're really honest with the the critical historical method, if I can use that, um, that we're looking at at history, anthropology, we're looking at what we know from other writings, but at the same time, we're also placing ourselves in the scene through scripture and imagining what those these people. So we're kind of it's almost like approaching the story at so many different levels that, of course, it should influence us, uh, deepening, uh, uh, helping uh, us. You deepen. know, uh, for me personally. I mean, the, the power of the story just burst out of the scripts. It really did. Right, and, really. Um, and it really was a moving um, a personal faith experience for me. Now, would you say, I think I know what you're going to answer, but would you say that this is for everyone? The series is for people? I, I do. I, I think even non-believers would find, find the, the story compelling and interesting, if only from the perspective of, you know that it, that it, that it gives us of the historical reality of Jesus' life, but I think that especially for believers, uh, this is a powerful series that um, you know that uh, you know that the, the perfect in this, in many ways for helping us to appreciate the the Easter season. Right. So, but would you say so? It, it would help us deepen, enter into the mystery. If for people who are maybe not interested in that experience, they can still watch <laughs> it objectively, and they can learn something intellectually. Do you think that it has a piece that that sorry that the piece this series has a the power to evangelize? You know, I do. I I, I don't think that that was the intent of the producers and and so forth. Uh, you know, as all, all Christians, of course, are, are committed to evangelization. But, um, you know, while that might not have been the overt, I mean, it's not overly um, 
evangelistic in the way that it it tells the story. But I don't think that anyone can look at this story and not feel something. And right. so, yes, I, I you know I do think that there's an evangelization that's possible as a result of it. Yeah, it sounds like it. it it's I, I think sometimes those are the most effective evangelization efforts when we don't try to evangelize. <laughs> <laughs> that we're just telling a good story, and and it is a good story. Um, Dr. Stephen Schneck, thank you so much for uh, uh, sharing a little bit about it uh, with us. I'm very excited. Uh, to be, uh, I'm looking forward to watching it, and I hope that our listeners uh, will have a chance to watch it as well. It's a pleasure, Deacon Pedro, and all of the best to you guys. Thank you. So that is a four-part series, Jesus, His Life. It premieres on Monday, March 25th, 8 p.m. East, the History uh, Channel. We were just speaking with Dr. Stephen Schneck. He's the former director of the Institute for Policy Research and Catholic Studies at the Catholic University of America. His academic books and articles range in topic from political philosophy to public policy. He's a frequent lecturer and media source on issues relating to Catholicism and contemporary public issues. And he was one of the main consultants and advisors for the uh, Jesus His Life series. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Timothy Smith with You Were Never Alone from his new album, I Am With You Always. Remembering you here beside me Holding my trembling hand Your eyes did not recognize me like a stranger from a faraway land But today that is behind you Before you a smooth open road Light shining to the horizon Steady the hand that you
rise to meet you. May the wind always blow from behind. May your rain fall like dew in the morning. Onto the end of all time. May the sun shine gently upon you. In the warmth of heaven's That was Timothy Smith with You Were Never Alone from his new album, I Am With You Always. Timothy Smith has been making music for a long time. His liturgical compositions are well known across the United States and Canada and even in other places. You may recognize Give Me Ears to Listen, Voice of Christ, and In the Breaking of the Bread. When not writing, Tim is conducting parish missions, music conferences, men's retreats, and music ministry workshops. Tim now has a new collection of liturgical music, I Am With You Always, published by Oregon Catholic Press. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Timothy R. Smith. Tim, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro, for having me. Very Happy good. So I'm going to start with the question that I start with everybody. What, what was it like growing up in the Smith home when you were a little kid? What was it like? Well, I was one of five yeah. kids. And uh, when I actually, when I was five years old, somebody called my mom and, and asked if she wanted to run an accordion for six weeks and see if my brother and I would like to really learn how to play uh, the accordion. Uh-huh. And uh, man, I just once I I brought that accordion home after the first lesson, I remember I just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And uh, and I used to just kind of go to a, the basement. They'd be upstairs watching TV, and I was downstairs uh, just playing the accordion. Wow. Or, you know, I, I really played the accordion until I was about 13 years old. Then I started playing the organ, and uh-huh. then eventually when I was about 15, when I wanted to be like Bob Dylan, I started playing the piano. Right. Wow, the accordion is such a fun instrument. Um, uh, w- <laughs> was it, w- were, you, were you Catholic growing up? Was it a, like a faithful house? Uh, yes, we were a Catholic uh, family. Yeah. But I, w- I would say one thing about the accordion. The accordion yeah. is, you know, that is a spiritual exercise growing up being an accordion player because right. that was not cool. No. I mean, you you know, could, yeah. you play guitar, you were cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was, uh, you know, there are a lot of accordion jokes out there, and I, yes. I understand those. 
Wow. Yeah. They're all regretting all those jokes now when they look at you now. Um, oh, yeah. And you don't think of the accordion as the, the most liturgical instrument. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, you know what? When I used to play, uh, when I did uh, uh, liturgical music in my parish, there was a, an, a sister, a religious sister, who was an accordion player. Yeah. And I would always, whenever a special celebration, I would always invite to play with us. Because it's such a unique sound. There's just something folksy, oh, yeah. and it's such a beautiful sound. I love the accordion. That's so it cool. I, you know, now I have a better appreciation for it. And it really is just an organ. That's yeah. Portable. I mean, it's, it's yes. Uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things uh, when you bring out the accordion, it goes, "Oh, accordion! Oh, that's great!" And then about five minutes later, <laughs> go. Well, you know, I gotta get going. Uh, right, right. <laughs> that's funny. So, but, did you yeah. uh, did you play in, at church or or sing in the choir or anything like that when you were growing yeah. up? Yeah. When I was about fourteen, I had been taking organ for a little while, and there was an overflow mass. Yeah. In the basement of the church with the steel chairs and the, yeah. you know, uh, yes. set up there, and uh, you know, Father Father Dietz asked me if I would like to play that mass and so i i did that was my my start when i was about 14 and i played wow. the same four uh songs every week for the first three months just to <laughs> try to get up to speed and then i started adding uh tunes but then you know so i was i was playing from that from when i was 14 i've pretty well played in church somewhere since then you right. know with the music school after high school and yeah and studied uh composition in my graduate studies but um mm -hmm. it's you know i've always no matter what i've done whether it's full-time ministry or just you know part-time in my earlier life I, i've you've always I've been in in, in always the, play at church always play yeah. the mass um when did you start composing uh, well i started writing songs when i like i said about 15 i started writing songs i i, I love bob dylan I yeah. always wore Bob Dylan shirts to school, and I thought he was yeah. great. And uh, you know, and then and you know, eventually into my after I graduated from college, I you know I got a church job, and I started realizing that you know I had a a calling to use my writing, uh, as, you know, as in liturgical music. And, yeah, you know, I had been writing. I I guess I started writing some liturgical music in my you know, late teens, early twenties, but w once I was about 30, I just said, this is it. And I went full speed okay. ahead and, and really dedicated my, my life to it. Did you find that, that you you wanted to write or you needed to write because you just couldn't find uh, songs that, that kind of worked for you? And I'm thinking particularly of psalm settings because I know you've written quite a few of them. Um, or was yes. it just you felt that that was just the right, kind of the right venue for your expression? I think it, it there, it's a mixture of utility. Maybe I need you know I, yeah. I, I needed a song that, but also the the psalms in particular. You know, I as I've grown, my approach to them has grown, and I've, I've or has changed. I would say yes, and and so you know, I'll set a song that I've already set twenty years ago or thirty right. years ago. Yes, or maybe take a little piece of that, and it's just an interaction. It's it's a it's a spiritual, um, you know, kind of uh, just, um, you know, just a kind of a mystical relationship with those that I just try to find the melodies rather than I don't. I don't really feel like I'm writing melodies. Just kind of put it in the Holy Spirit's hand and see if 
uh, and come up with the right idea. But yeah, but that yeah. said, uh, if something is inspired, and, and I would say this to young composers, because I used to think if this is, if God wants me to write this, it must be right, and huh. that's it. But, you know, revision, revision, yeah. revision. Yes. Even if the Holy Spirit, you know, inspired me, that I still look at those melodies and, and there is refinement and ways to, to streamline those things. I mean, that, I think that's really important for especially young composers. You know, our spirituality and our craft as writers, sometimes, you know, we could get those confused and, and, and there still has to be, uh, you know, a real examination of what you're writing and maybe maybe there's some improvements that yeah. I can make to the melodies that I just wrote. Absolutely, you know? I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the percentages are, but what is the saying that it's twenty-five uh, percent inspiration and seventy-five percent perspiration when you're uh, the creative process? Um, I was going to ask you, uh, and you kind of alluded to it, but do you find that the composing for you is is so linked to your own personal prayer life or spiritual life that? You know, like in prayer, you might be reading a psalm and the melody comes and then you're inspired that way? Or how does how do you normally sit down to write? Or do you think, oh, I'm going to do a, you know, a setting of this psalm and then just sit and do it? Um, you know, I, I think there's a dual approach. Um, there is that, you know, mystic kind of looking for an idea or inspiration or, you know, kind of the, 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 the spiritual experience of trolling for ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it, but then once I've got, and sometimes I just turn on my phone recorder, and you know I'm playing, and I whoa, go back and listen to that. What was that? Mm, yeah, and and that's fine. But then there's the other part. It's sort of like there's another part. The composer, the accountant, the person says, "All right, you knuckleheads, good idea. Now everybody get out of the room and let me see what this is." The, the, that that looks at it with a very, um, you know, um, craftsmanlike eye. And, and starts, you know, putting these things together in more of a structural, you know, architectural approach. So right. it, it, there's there's both that looking for inspiration for ideas, and then there's the technical, all right, now we, we need to make sense of this. We're going to get an arrangement. How, how does this all fit together? Yeah, I can and, see that. And yeah. I, I, you know, it, you could almost say, like, I, you know, the songwriter in me is the one that's, you know, turning on the recorder and looking for ideas. The composer is the one who takes that idea and says, okay, that's that's nice, but, you know, this is too high, or this rhythm is right. kind of an idiosyncrasy. You always do that. What are you, what are you really trying yeah. to do here? Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And so, there, yeah, there's a di- inner dialogue. I think. Yeah, and I, I was going to say it makes sense because there's such a, not that it's utilitarian, but there's a very, you're, you're writing music for a very specific use, so it has to be congregational, it has to be liturgical, or it has to be processional, or it has to be, you know, whatever. It can't just be in any key. Um, so, so there's that. Um, Tim, I think that we're going to have to leave it there because we're almost out of time, but it's been uh, really good meeting you, and I'm, I'm very excited to, to be able to play some of the music of the new album so that our listeners can uh, can get to know you. Maybe just in closing, uh, what's uh, down the pipes? Are you working on more liturgical music? Do you think you might compose stuff that's maybe not for liturgy in the future? Well, I, I have written... Uh yeah, I wrote a musical comedy called Stitches. Yes, knucklehead. Uh, uh, you know, uh, yes. kind of screwball comedy. Very fun. It's yes, fun. but uh, the Psalms. I set all three cycles of the Psalms in a kind of a quasi chant mode. Forever I will sing. It's yes. distributed by OCP. But 
I'm going to go back and write those all out in true composed form. Nice. That's nice. my next project. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Absolutely. So let us know so we can uh, have an excuse to bring you back. Okay, Tim. I sure appreciate it, Deacon Pedro. Thank Amen. you so much. Thank you. Great meeting you. you. Keep up the good work. You can learn more about Timothy Smith and his music at his website, timothyrsmith.com, timothyrsmith.com, and his new uh, collection, I Am With You Always, is published by Oregon Catholic Press. Here now is Timothy Smith with Lord Let Your Mercy Flow from his new album, I Am With You Always. listening to Timothy Smith with Lord Let Your Mercy Flow from his new album I Am With You Always and that will take us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. And you can also download the Salt and Light Hour podcast off iTunes or the Google Play Store. You can contact us via email radio at saltandlighttv.org or look for us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. And you can find me on Twitter at Emmy Callen and you you can find Billy at Bijo Chan. And I am at Deacon Pedro GM. Next week, 
Abby Johnson's going to be here with us, so you don't want to miss that show. Definitely not. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.